0: This morning, we're concluding, at least for now, this series of teaching uh, and thinking that we've been doing the last few weeks on the subject of church, and we've called that series, if you remember, Life Together. As always seems to happen when you pay attention to God's Word, when you let it speak for itself, and when you take it at face value, it, it excites and it challenges A few weeks ago, we learned first that the church is a community that's supposed to attract the world to God. Secondly, we learned that it's through our good lives that God wants people to be attracted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And third, we learned that the good lives that the Bible talks about are shared lives, lives together. The church is all about Jesus' followers sharing life together around Jesus in such a way that others Will want to, to get to know him as well. Last week I offered a, a bit of a purpose statement for the church that incorporated those three ideas. We said the church's purpose is to follow Jesus Christ in the power of his Spirit, sharing lives of such quality that they attract others to come and to find Jesus for themselves. If that really is our purpose, then we would want to be sure that everything we do in church life allows us to live out God's purposes for us. And last week, I shared with you a vision that the elders have here for a church built around a network of small groups of Jesus' people, groups who are going to share life together, who are going to look out for others in the church family, but also reach out to the parish and beyond. I don't want to be naive about the point on our journey we're at after uh, last week in particular, As we've talked about God's purposes for us, as we've considered how we might pursue them, it seems to me like we've been raising the stakes of what it means to be a member of the church. And I don't know how you're responding to that. Maybe you find yourself saying, this this is too demanding. This sharing of life with other people, this reaching out, to other people in Jesus' name, that sounds like it's going to cost me something. And I just don't know whether I can fit it in, fit it in with the comfortable life that I've arranged for myself. Or maybe you find yourself asking another related question. Is this going to be worth it? What on earth could convince me that this would be worth it, that loving my brothers and my sisters working with them for the redemption of our neighborhoods, that this would be worth the sacrifice that it's inevitably going to take. Let me suggest this morning that as we're weighing up the sacrifice that Jesus calls us to in his community, that we do well to look to the ultimate sacrifice that he's already made for us. Chapter 15 of John's Gospel. John records these words of Jesus to his disciples and we read them a moment ago. Jesus spoke these words in the upper room. You've got to know that on the night before Good Friday. So this is happening hours before he's beaten by Roman guards and crucified a common criminal. That's the context of this whole conversation. And Jesus says to them, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Brothers, he says, in the way that I've been loved, I'm now loving you. I'm passing on the love that I received. Now, remain in my love, Jesus continues. If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. My command is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. Guys, I have loved you in the same way that my father loved me. Now I want you to pass it on again. I want you to create the next link in the chain. I want you to love one another in the way that I've loved you. I don't know if you ever played the game Chain Tig. Hands up anybody who's ever played Chain Tig. Yeah, a few people have. A lot of people haven't, so this explanation isn't going to be wasted. Chain TIG is somewhat like any other form of TIG. Well, you know the other forms, don't you? Like off-ground TIG. Anybody played off-ground TIG? Yeah? Okay. There are lots of variations on TIG. Somebody starts the game in the middle of the playground or wherever, and they're on it. And their job is to catch other people. So in Chain tag, the way it works is the person who's on it runs around catches the first other person and then holds them by the hand forming a chain now of two and the chain of two is now on it so they're going to catch others at first it's quite hard for the chain because they're actually because there's two of them they're slower than individual people it's quite hard to catch somebody but eventually they catch a third person who joins the chain and a fourth and a fifth and the chain gets longer and longer at the end of chain-tig, it becomes terrifying for those who haven't been caught yet because there's this massive chain of people just coming in on them and it's so hard to avoid being caught up in, in their chain. God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ have set in motion a game of chain-tig in their love. They're establishing communities of people who've experienced their love where others are joining and together they're reaching out to draw others to experience it too. That's what Jesus is talking about here in John 15. This passing on of the love that we have found in Jesus then to others. That's what Jesus has put in motion, but it still doesn't answer that question that we mentioned a moment ago, what would convince me that this is worth doing? That this is worth being a part of? Changing my whole life to get caught up in Jesus' game of loving Tig. Verse 13 tells us, greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. These 12 young men gathered around a Passover meal in a, in a sweaty upper room. In the next few hours, they were going to learn about Jesus' love for them. They were going to see that they had been loved in ways that they never could have imagined. They were being loved with the greatest love of all. Jesus was going to lay down his life for them. This first Good Friday, they experienced the loving sacrifice Of God, the love that's at the heart of the Christian faith, and it changed these guys forever. It was this loving sacrifice made for them that made them into people who were able to make incredible sacrifices in the future. They lived with great courage and great sacrifice because they knew that they were loved with a costly love. Psychologists tell us that for the most part, children who have been raised by loving parents in a secure and a stable environment are more likely to be courageous and to take risks. And they're more likely to swim against the popular tide. There's something inside them. Love creates a foundation of security that acts both as a a springboard and also as a parachute. The experience of being loved launches us into adventures that people who don't know they're loved would never have the courage to take. They wouldn't even contemplate them while they're still afraid. The experience of being loved catches us when we come down to earth with a bump and lessens that bump for us. The simple truth is we all live far, far better when we know we're loved. And we have been. We have been. The cross of Jesus Christ shows us that the maker of the universe, that he loves me, And that he wants me as a friend. You and I have been loved with the greatest love of all. Maybe you've never really got this. We sang as kids, Jesus loves me, this I know. And it warmed our hearts in those days, I think, to sing that song. We loved that song. We sang it and we believed it then. But it's not a truth oftentimes that we live out of now. As we've grown, we've experienced doubt. We've known hurt. We've had our reasons to be disappointed with God. And we've drifted from that simple reliance, that simple grasp on the love that God has for us. Tell me this. Do you ever allow God simply just to love you? Do you ever take the time to stop, even for a few moments, and to allow that this isn't all about me? It's not about what I've done or what I haven't done. It's not about where I've failed or where others have failed me. Do you ever allow God simply to love you? When we do, when we have an unshakable grasp of God's love for us, then we'll become those courageous, creative people, those people who can go against the tide of popular opinion. It doesn't matter what popular opinion is, because I know what God's opinion is and He loves me. Do you ever allow God just to love you? This table here this morning is a good place to do that. To remember that we've been loved with the greatest love ever. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends.